You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled The Days of Our Lives, Part 4. Enjoy. All right, we are in the middle of a light producing, life producing series at Highway Church. It's called The Days of Our Lives. Yeah. And we're talking about our worldview and how to live in this world. So our worldview is how we see the world. And our world is different because we know as disciples of Christ that we've got to go beyond. We've got to go deeper than the politics and religion of man. If we want real answers, if we want to overcome the devil in our lives, if we want to overcome sickness in our lives, if we want to overcome lack in our lives, we need the very words of Christ. So our worldview is not about politics. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus. We see the world through the words of Christ. All right? And that's why we're happy people. That's why we don't argue and get mad if someone doesn't uh, agree with us or, or we don't, uh, we don't um, get into arguments about what political party we're in or what nation we come from or what ethnicity we are. We, we're happy people because we, we have become God's very own sons and daughters. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Where's that at in the Bible? Anybody know? How great is the love? Father, 1 John chapter 3, yeah, 1 John, it's towards the back, three books before Revelation, right? Four books. So God is good. So that's our worldview. We, we have a spiritual perspective of the world, not a natural, okay? And Proverbs 4, this is our foundational text. Let's put that up there, Eden. Don't you love it? Look at this. This is how we live in the world. The way of the righteous, that's us, right? Not because of what we've done but because of what Jesus has done. He's made us righteous through faith in Him. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. So what is the way of the righteous? I want to get in on this brighter life, right? I want every day of my life to get brighter not darker. How can I do that? It's really simple. It's by putting your faith in the promises of God. The promises of God, what are those? Where are they found? Right here in the, in the Bible. I mean, the Bible has a lot of stuff in it, but, but the primary thing that we need are the promises that God has made in here. So I scour my Bible for his promises. And there are hundreds, maybe thousands of them in here for you. But they won't help you until you put your faith in them. So when you discover the promises of God and put your faith in the promises of God, you experience the goodness of God and the life and the light that he brings. What is a promise anyway? Uh, We made promises to each other when we got married. The dictionary defines a promise as this. It says a promise is a declaration or an assurance that one will do a particular thing. A particular thing will happen. Actually, in November of 93, I bought a ring. I was in Southern Virginia, and Jennifer was in Northwest Ohio. And I wanted to, I was planning a secret. Uh, I wanted to fly up there and propose to her. 
So I got a ring down in Southern Virginia, and I called some guys in Ohio. I told them all about it. We planned this out. And this ring was a symbol of a promise that I made to her. When someone loves you, they make promises to you. Why is that? See, because it, love wants to give. And when you love someone, you want to use what you've got to make their lives better. Right? It's like that with our children as well. We want to use what we've got to make their lives better. Well, how much more? God. He wants to use what he's got to make your life better. Isn't that awesome? That's what a promise is. A promise is his word saying, I I want to use what I've got to make your life brighter. Now, me to Jennifer, that's just a guy. But God to us, that's a God. That's the maker of heaven and earth. And what has he got? He's got more than just a ring. He's got endless life, endless wisdom, endless strength. He's got a destiny and a purpose for your life. And he's got promises saying that I want to do this in your life. Now, if I would have went up to Northwest Ohio and, and, and with the ring in my pocket and, and she ended up not being there or she didn't know about the promise that I, that I made and she went off and married someone else, wouldn't that have been sad, right? But she would have missed out <laughs> on all the fun that we've had together and I would have missed out. So you've got to know that God's got a ring for you. Religion covers that up. Religion makes you think that God's mad at you. And then he, and he's upset with you, and, and you've got to make up for all the wrong that you've done. But Jesus didn't teach that. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. God wants to be one with us. And he is if you put your faith in Christ. But you've got to know that, all right? So religion has a, um, a tendency, one of the characteristics of religion is to take God's promises and put them off to some unknown date in the future. But when we look at the promises, now there are some promises in the Bible, obviously, that apply to the future. But many, 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 many of them apply to right now. Okay? God is a God of now. So let's take a look at this in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. It's after, after Hebrews. You got James. Then you got 1 Peter. And you got 2 Peter. So we want to be experts in the promises of God. You should have multiple promises for every area of your life. So when a challenge comes to your life, there should be promises of God in your heart that just spring up automatically. To, to combat those fears, to combat that discouragement, to combat the temptation of sin. Those promises of God, man, they come up, and they're infinitely stronger than anything in this world. So here it is, 2 Peter chapter 1. This is how we live in this world. We're going to start in verse 2. Now, before we read, last week we said Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of your word brings light, right? or the unfolding of your word. One of the gifts that God gives a pastor is the ability to unfold the word. For what purpose? So that we benefit. So that you can grow in your relationship with God. Okay? So that you can become stronger spiritually. The stronger you become spiritually, the brighter your life gets. All right? So we're going to unfold the word right now. Okay? So let's enjoy. Let's enjoy this time together. 
Let's just take our time and let God make us stronger. Grace, verse 2, right? Grace and peace. Let's stop right there. Grace. Powerful word. I like, I don't know where it's from. I've heard it many years ago, but there's an acronym. Grace is spelled G-R-A-C-E. What does that stand for? God's riches at Christ's expense. Great definition of grace. That's what it is. God's riches at Christ's expense. It costs God everything. It costs us nothing. See? So grace is what God has done for you through Christ. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to merit it. It's unmerited. It's given to you through Christ. All right? So, so uh, Peter begins by saying God's riches at Christ's expense. And then he doesn't stop. And he says, and peace. Powerful word, this word peace. In the Greek, it's irene. We know the New Testament was written in Greek, but it was written by Hebrews. So they took the word irene, which is a powerful word, which means well-being or to be set at one again, wholeness, prosperity, and they likened it unto the Hebrew word shalom. So when you understand what he's saying here, it's very powerful. It's not a greeting card that he's sending. He's saying God's riches at Christ's expense God's wholeness, God's well-being, God's prosperity be multiplied to you. How many would say math was your favorite subject in school? Only three hands. All right. <laughs> That's not surprising. I actually thought it was fun. Oh, Jude, all right, four. Okay, good. Well, what do you get more of when you add or multiply? Multiply, absolutely, absolutely. Multiplication. So God wants to multiply his, his riches to you. He wants what he's done through Christ to be multiplied unto you. He wants his wholeness, his well-being, his prosperity to be multiplied to you. How does he do that? What's it say? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, that word knowledge is very powerful. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they might know you. It speaks of a relationship that a husband has with a wife in the knowledge of God, becoming one with him, full comprehension, knowing him in a, in a relationship way. All right? So this grace, this power, this life comes when we know him through the knowledge of God. In verse 3, it says seeing. So this knowledge of God, of his grace and peace, enables us to see things we couldn't see without, apart from relationship with him. Seeing that his divine power, what does it say? Look at that. Has granted. What tense is that? Past, present, or future? Past tense. Okay. Seeing that God has granted. So if you needed $10,000 and I gave you $10,000, would you have it? Would you need to ask for it anymore? No, because it's been given to you, right? 
Religion teaches people to ask God for things that he's already given them. And as a result, they don't experience them. Because there are things that God's already given us. And he's waiting for us to receive them by faith. All right? So God has granted to us, look at this word. What's he granted to us? Everything. Wow, everything what? Pertaining to life. So if it has to do with life, God's given it to you. Does sickness have to do with life? No. That's not life, right? That's not from God. How about sin? No, it's not from him. Right? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's already given it to us, and we realize that as we study his promises. And our faith grows, and we begin to receive those things. So through the, he's already pertaining to life and godliness, what? Through the, there it is again, the true knowledge. And that's the same Greek word that was used earlier in verse 2. But, but here in the English, they say the true knowledge. So if there's a true knowledge, there must be a false knowledge, right? Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Jesus is the true knowledge of God. In fact, it's funny. I, I encourage you to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts because the disciples were funny people. You know, the people who followed Jesus, they're, they're like us. You know, they made mistakes. The Bible's full of people who made mistakes just like us, right? But, it, but there's, there's the, the amazing God who, who takes the mistakes that we've made and he turns them around and he blesses us and changes our lives and he, and he leads us forward in him. Well, in John chapter 14, Jesus, the true knowledge of God, he's with his disciples and Thomas. You ever heard the term doubting Thomas? Well, it comes from this guy. This is the guy who wouldn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, I won't believe it until I see the, the marks in his hands and I put my finger in his side. Right? They, they call, he became known as Doubting Thomas. Well, in John chapter 14, he said, Jesus, he said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And in verse 6, uh, you want to pull that up there, John 14, 6? Already up. Well, you're fast. All right. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we don't need to look any farther but to Jesus. Isn't that great? He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the true knowledge of God. So that means at Highway Church and as disciples of Christ, we study Jesus. Because when we look at him, we see the heart and the will of God. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's go to Hebrews. We're going to come back to 2 Peter. Before we do that, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews is a couple books, a few books before 2 Peter. And I want to encourage you, man, to get a Bible, really. I mean, I've got, I use on my phone, I've got a ton of Bible translations, and it's great to use mobile devices and have access to all those translations. But I want to show you how cool this is. I know this is old school, but it's like, man, when you open this up, look at all this text I can see at a glance. You can't see that on a mobile device. You got, you know, you got your, your phone screen, whether it's a phablet or a, a tablet or a phone, whatever it is. Man, you can't see all this at a glance. So I can see, when I, when I read this regularly, I get to know where things are in the Word. See, I'll read this promise up here, and I know, oh, there's this promise down here. And I start making connections. And it doesn't require any batteries. I don't have to recharge it. I, you know, so there are major benefits. There's still major benefits. I use technology extensively. I'm a power user. I understand it and use it. But there are still benefits to paper. Yes. 
They really are. So I encourage you to, to get one of these old school things, you know, get a paper Bible. And I use, sometimes I'll be, I use my phone for references. I want to look up something. I'll check it out. I got a ton of verses on there, ton of translations. But man, you want to know this book. This is where the life is, okay? All right, so in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, powerful stuff here. So we're growing in, in, our, in our relationship with him. It says God, verse 1, Hebrews 1, verse 1, says God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So that was before Jesus, right? So before Jesus, how did God speak to, to, to us, to the people? Through prophets, right? But, verse 2, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Wow. Eh? Whom he appointed heir of all things, through him also he made the world. Now look at verse 3. This is powerful. And he's speaking of Jesus now. He is the radiance of his glory. I like this. And the exact representation of his nature. Why is that important? Because the Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts is God in the flesh. That means I can put my faith in that Jesus and whatever he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts is the will of God. I'll give you an example. This is so important because man's religion has messed this up. All right? I grew up in, in church and, and from a religious family that had no idea what the, what the will of God was for our lives because we had a religious concept of Jesus that was far from the, from the real Jesus, all right? Give you a, just a, a quick example. In the Gospels, Jesus did three things, teaching, preaching, and healing. And you cannot find one instance, not one, where Jesus made someone sick. Not one. You can't find one instance where Jesus uh, brought death to a little child and said God wanted to plant him as a flower in his garden. You can't find it. You find, on the contrary, you find many instances of Jesus healing, and the only thing he asked of them was, do you believe that I'm able to do this? According to your faith, be it done unto you. Some people didn't even ask. They just went up and touched him and took it by faith, and that pleases God. We see him raising people from the dead. This is the real Jesus that's here right now. Right? We're not playing church. We are the church. Jesus is here right now. What do you need? Are you ready to experience him? How about, how about right now? How about putting your faith in Jesus right now to meet your needs? Whatever it is. Jesus, we worship you. See, the kingdom of God's not a matter of talk, it's of power. Jesus is alive and he's in here right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just put your confidence in him right now. Do you need healing in your body? Just receive it. 
Whatever it is you need, wisdom or direction for your life, receive it right now. Hallelujah. So this Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he'll blow your mind. He healed the sick, the lame were made whole, the maimed were made whole, the blind see, the deaf hear through faith in him. And he's the same Jesus that's here right now. He's the same Jesus, all right? So it's important to know that this is who God is, that Jesus is the revealed will of God. So if I've believed things about God, and I'm reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I see that what I believe about God is different than the Jesus I'm reading about. I change what I believe. And I realized many years ago that it was God's will for me to be healthy. I grew up very sick. A lot of sicknesses, grew up in a medical family, and just couldn't, couldn't get free from this stuff. But when I realized it was God's will for me to be well, that he had provided health for me, through Christ, I began to receive healing in my physical body. I could not have received that if I didn't look to the real Jesus. There are places in, that, that will tell you, ministers that will tell you, that God, uh, it's, it's God's will for you to not be well. That God uses sickness or God uses these things. But the Bible does not teach that. Jesus never taught that. He taught the opposite of that. It's so important. And boy, boy, the, there's opposition to this good news. People don't want you to receive it, but it's the truth anyway. God is good. Jesus came to give you life, not death. Health, not sickness. Strength, not weakness, okay? This is the real Jesus we're looking at. Now, it's important to know the will of God by looking at Jesus. This is how our lives get brighter, the days of our lives, right? But it's also to know something about, uh, it's also important to know something about the will of God. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. It doesn't just automatically happen in the earth. If that was the case, there's no re reason for Jesus to come. Right? There's no reason for him to do the things that he did. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he was teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, pray for God's will to be done in the earth just as it is in heaven, which lets us know it's not automatically done in the earth, or we wouldn't have to pray for it to be done. So it's important to know because there is, in the body of Christ, a doctrine that's taught. And it's taught, it's a false understanding of God's sovereignty. And it says that everything that happens to you is God's will for your life. And nothing could be further from the truth. All right? The Bible doesn't teach that. And that's an ignorant understanding of things, all right? That, that Jesus, if you look at him again, you'll see that he taught his disciples to enforce the will of God in their lives, to take authority over situations and circumstances. There are things that happened to Jesus. He rebuked storms. Man's religion tells you God wants to use the storm in your life. Jesus didn't believe that. He rebuked the storms. See? And when you start looking to Jesus, you become strong. You begin taking authority over the storms instead of buying umbrellas, right? <laughs> and trying, trying to walk through it, you, you take authority over them. And, and that's what Jesus did. So if God caused, caused those storms, Jesus was rebuking his father, and that ain't going to happen. 
right? Kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So it's important to know the will of God and to realize it's not going to automatically happen in your life. You have to put your faith in it and you have to apply it. You have to speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart because we're living in a world that's fallen and fallen apart. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. We're in enemy territory. Hallelujah. It was uh, in, when I received the Lord back in 1989, it didn't take me long to realize that I was living in enemy territory. What do you mean enemy territory? I was living on planet Earth. See, when you put your faith in Christ, you're born again. Heaven becomes your home. It was never God's plan for the wars and the crimes and the junk that's going on on earth to happen. God never wanted that. That came about as a result of man's rebellion and the curse of sin. Okay? So it's important to know that we're in enemy territory. And in the military, as we'd travel around between different nations, they would give us briefings letting us know that the territory we're going into, if it was safe or not. Some places we traveled, we couldn't wear our uniforms. We had to dress as civilians because it wasn't, if they saw an American uniform, we would have been open targets, right? They give you briefings. Well, I'm giving you a briefing. I want you to know you're in enemy territory. It's not a friendly place, planet Earth. Satan is the god of this world, and he wants to take you out. He wants to steal from you. He wants to do whatever he can to, to rob from you, to destroy, and ultimately to kill you if he can. Now, that's not to make you afraid. It's to make you aware. In Christ, we're more than a match for him. Greater is Christ in us than anything in this world. But I say that so that we'll wake up and not just go on autopilot through life. There will things that will come against you in this world. And if you think they're God's will, you're not going to stand up against them. You're going to accept them instead of taking authority over them. All right? God is good. So how can I be sh Faith is being sure of what we hope for, right? That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. How can I be sure of what I hope for if I don't know it's God's will? And I've seen this. People will, will, will say, would you pray for me um, that I'd be healed if it's God's will? And I understand where that thinking comes from because that's what they've been told. But how can we pray for you to be healed if we don't know it's God's will? That's kind of like spinning a, a wheel, you know, and hoping we land on the, the jackpot, right? I can't be sure if I don't know it's his will. I can hope, and maybe, but that's not faith. See, we receive by faith. Faith is being sure. If you're anything less than sure and certain, it's not faith. The only way I can be sure is when I know that it's God's will for my life. So when you know that it's God's will for you to be healed, for you to be healthy, then you can put your faith in that. You see? So I become sure of the will of God by studying Jesus. And that's how I received healing in my life. I studied Jesus for months. I looked at every single example in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts of healing. And I meditated on them. I thought, wow, it is God's will for us to be well. Jesus came to defeat the enemy, and he did it, right? So, so knowing his will is paramount. So we know his will by studying Jesus. We realize it's not automatic, so we learn these promises of God. We put them in our hearts daily, and we water them. We water them with praise and worship. That's why we're singing these songs up here. 
not interested in, in hearing pretty voices. We're interested in the promises of God being real in our lives. So we water them with faith, with praise, with worship, with thanksgiving. I daily thank God that for, his, for his healing power flowing through my body. Because I've for years just studied the scriptures on healing. I say, God, thank you that your life and light is flowing through every cell of our bodies. Thank you that you are greater. Greater are you in me than anything in this world. Thank you for your joy, for your peace, for your strength, for your life reigning in us. Thank you, God, that we have victory over sin. Thank you, Lord, that we're your righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. So we worship him and we water these promises and they grow in us. The promises of God will grow stronger in you as you worship him and put your faith in him. Hallelujah. Let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's finish this, uh, this little passage here. Hallelujah. So through the true knowledge of God right, comes faith in the promises of God. And through faith in the promises of God, we experience the will of God. You see that? So first you've got to know who he really is. That's Jesus. And through that true knowledge of him, faith comes in his promises and what he said and what he's done. And then we experience his will. Okay? Now, in verse 4 of 2 Peter, it says, For by these, if you go back to verse 3, it says by his, it's talking about his glory and excellence. So by God's own glory, by God's own excellence, he has granted. There's that past tense again, right? to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why did he do that? It tells us. So that by them you, that's you, right, may become partakers of the divine nature. So God did this so that you personally would experience him. Isn't that wonderful? God gave Jesus, he sent him to the earth, in flesh and blood, and did what he did to reveal his will to us so that we could personally experience him. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want to share this with you. Have you ever seen a beautiful landscape like the sun setting over the ocean or been maybe up in New Hampshire and been up on a hill or a mountain and looked out over the valleys and seen the foliage? When you see something beautiful like that, do you have to make yourself appreciate it? There's a response to that, isn't there? There's a, wow, that's beautiful. You just stand there like, wow, you know? Why am I saying that? Because faith is like that. We, are, we just read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And when faith comes not by our own effort, by trying to muster up faith, by, by trying to generate faith, Faith comes simply by looking at the real Jesus. Just like you would look at a beautiful landscape, the response is, wow. When you look at the real Jesus, the response is faith. So if you're having trouble with faith, it's because you're not looking at him. All right? Because sometimes you can know things up here, but you don't know them here. And, you're, and what your religion will have you do is start looking at yourself. Well, you haven't received this because you did this wrong. 
and you did that wrong, and you need to fix this in your life. And all of a sudden, what, now you're looking at yourself, and guess what? You're not going to have any faith anymore because <laughs> you're looking at where you fall short. But when you take your eyes off of yourself and begin to look at him, faith comes because you realize what he's done for you. You realize he's not holding anything back from you, that he's promised you life abundantly, right? Faith, 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 faith. So when I realized I was living in enemy territory, I realized, you know what? I've got to learn the promises of God. If I'm going to make it all the way to my destiny in this world, I've got to personally know the promises of God. I can't afford to go through life skating. I can't afford to be a, a, a Christian in name only. I've got to take the promises out of his word, and I've got to get these things in my heart. I've got to speak them with my mouth. I've got to believe them with my heart daily. So you know what I began doing? I mean, this is back in the day before mobile phones. I just got myself a notebook. And every time I'd read a promise in the, in the word of God that hit me, I'd write it down. And I would just, I'd carry that notebook around with my Bible. There's times I'd just pull that notebook out, and all of a sudden I'd get one verse, two, three, four, ten, twenty, hundreds. I've got hundreds now, maybe thousands, that are in my heart over the years. And those are the fuel for my day. That's what gives me the fuel to go through each day victoriously, the confidence. That's what gives me the courage to do what I need to do, to overcome anything that would come against me. It's through His promises. Wow, we've got so many good things in store for you here. So let's do this. Now, I'm going to say something to you. We'll get into it more next week, but we'll just get it started. God has provided supernatural protection for you that no weapon, no missile, no bullet can penetrate. Supernatural. And it's through Christ. Let's look at this. John chapter 14. A couple more scriptures. See how far we can get. We're going to get into it more next week. Don't you miss it. It's going to be so good. John 14. Super, can you imagine supernatural protection? Someone pulling a gun on you and the bullet just bouncing off? Well, this guy must be crazy. No, this is Bible. You'd be amazed what's in the Bible. It blows your mind, man. It just takes you into a whole new level of living that's not possible any other way. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. Who's talking? The true knowledge of God is speaking, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. So if I read something he says, I don't agree with it, I'm missing it. Yes. So I quickly change what I think. Yes. Every time he speaks, I'm ready to change. Yes. Okay, do I, do I agree with what he's saying? If I don't, okay, I'm changing because he's truth. He's the way. Right? I quickly adapt to what he says, because I want brightness. I want light in my life. So he says, peace. What's peace? You guys remember Irene? Wholeness, right? Prosperity, well-being. I leave with you. My own wholeness, my own prosperity. It's on the screen, and this is the amplified tra translation. My own prosperity I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives. How does the world give? With strings attached, right? They'll give something to you, but then if you don't do what they want, they start pulling the strings, right, to manipulate you. Jesus, does. when God gives you something, he doesn't take it back. It's yours, even if you don't use it right. See? That's when you see someone who's been gifted in some way, whether it's in music or sports, uh, and, and, and they're living an ungodly life. God doesn't take that gift back just because they're not serving them. He's not like that. You, you pray that they would realize where their gifts come from and give him the glory and live for him. So God gives to us not as the world gives. Do not let 
your hearts be troubled. Have your hearts been troubled this week? Whose responsibility is it to keep that from happening? Not God's. He can't do that. It's my responsibility to keep from being grumpy. Right? From keep from being one of the seven doors. Grumpy. It's my responsibility. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Who's trying to trouble your heart? Satan. Sure. He doesn't want you to have peace. He wants you to have a troubled heart. Proverbs, what, 1430 says, A calm and undisturbed heart are the life and health of the body. Do you hear that? Calm and undisturbed heart are the life and health of the body. I think that's Proverbs 14.30. So Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because he wants you to have health. You know, a troubled heart will make you sick. It will make you weak. So you get, Jesus is getting right to the source. Don't let your hearts be troubled. But Jesus, I'm living on planet Earth and, and, and there's Ebola and there's terrorists and there's crime. And Don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Look at this in the Amplified on the screen. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Last scripture, John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect wholeness, well-being, prosperity, and confidence. In the world, yeah, you've got tribulation, you've got trials, you've got distress, you've got frustration, but be of good cheer. Is this a good cheer face? Yeah. No. This is a good cheer face, right? Joy. Be of good cheer. Why? Does he not know the things that we're facing? Take courage. Be confident. Certain undaunted. That's faith. For I have overcome the world. What does that mean? I've deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. There's two verses to, to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner this week. John 14, 27. John 16, 33, in the Amplified Translation. It's good in any translation, but I really like the way it, it, it explains it here. So Jesus has overcome the world. Oh, we'll take a few more minutes. This is so good. This, you're not in a hurry, are you? No. We don't take a long time at Highway Church, but we want to take enough time, okay? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? Right now, it's not your neighbors or your boss, right? It's the spirits of darkness that are in this world. Satan is the god of this world. There are spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms that have strategies to try and keep you from experiencing God's plan for your life. 
But the word tells us we've overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Isn't that good? Greater is Christ in us than he that is in the world. James 4, 7 says to submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So we submit ourselves to God by believing him, right? Not believing what other people have told us. By taking Jesus at his word. You've overcome the world. You've deprived it of power to harm me. I'm safe in you. All right. I submit to that. I believe that. And people ignorantly have come to the conclusion that the world is worse than it's ever been. If you look back in the Bible in Noah's day, it records, God says that every thought of every human being was only evil. Before the flood. It's not like that today. There are a lot of good people in the world. You guys are here, right? But you imagine every thought of every human being being only evil, what that would have been like. It was so bad God had to wipe the earth clean with a flood, except for Noah and his family, right? About, I don't know, what, eight people maybe, something like that, right? So, so don't let, see, Satan wants you to think that you've got it so bad, that your situation is unique, and that no one understands you. He wants you to think that really you're, you're beyond what other people can understand. And by if you accept that, what does that do? That makes you feel justified in being discouraged. Right? right? Like people don't understand what I go through in my marriage. People don't understand what I go through in my home. People don't understand what I've gone through with my physical health. They just don't understand. They're happy and they go to church and do, but they don't understand me. They don't understand what I've dealt with. Well, the reality is God understands. And he's greater than what you've been through. Don't let your past be the standard for your future. Don't do it. Okay? Look at him. Your situation's not unique. Jesus went through everything you've been through and far worse. It tells us that in Hebrews. He was tempted in every way, okay? So God understands where you are and what you've been through. Don't let Satan isolate you and, and think you have a reason to be a grumpy pants, right? You don't because God is good and his promises are for you today. We're going to look at something next week. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to look at some examples in the Scripture of this supernatural protection that you've got. I hope you know about it. So it's going to be good. So don't miss next week. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this time together. It's just so good to get in you, to get into your promises, to let the life of your promises just ooze over us like a nice warm bath. We thank you for your life oozing over us right now. And, Lord, we submit ourselves unto you. We embrace every promise that you've made. And we thank you that you have defeated the enemy on our behalf, that you have given us supernatural protection in this earth, that we are, our lives are hidden with you, Jesus, in God, that you are our shelter, you are our high tower, and that we are fearless and strong in this earth. Because you are our God. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Faith in the promises of God bring confidence in place of fear, assurance in place of worry. Realizing what Jesus has done for us makes us fearless and strong in this world. 
Meditate on his promises and let faith grow giant in you. In Jesus' name, amen.